So as some of you know, um, I spent some time in the United States Air Force, and uh, one of the things that always concerned us when we were taking a long flight somewhere, uh, I worked with an airplane called a KC-135, it was an aerial refueler, and so it would go long distances, and so uh, when we would take long trips, we were always a little bit concerned, a little bit on edge, when we had a brand new navigator show up to take the flight. So you had a pilot, a co-pilot, and a navigator, and people think the pilot directs the plane where to go. The pilot just does everything the navigator tells him or her to do. So the navigator is the one who's really getting you to your destination. And this was before GPS, so navigators had lots of maps and squares, and they'd punch coordinates into the different things in the airplane, but it was kind of a manual process. And the Air Force is good at their schooling, but anytime you come out of school and do something once, it's going to be a little shaky, right? You have to take some time to learn. And, but knowing where you're going in an airplane is kind of an important thing. And so we'd always be a little nervous. And I remember one time when we were flying from the Chicago area to Spain, uh, we were about four or five hours into the flight. And the navigator told me, if you look out our left side, you should see Iceland uh, right out the left window. And we only had two little windows in the whole plane. And so I went back and I looked out this little window and I could just see water as far as I could see. There wasn't anything that looked like Iceland. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really bad. And so we started talking. We thought we were going to end up in downtown Moscow, right? We had no idea what's going to happen on our way to trying to get Spain. And so as we're flying, all of a sudden, these two Portuguese air jet fighters came on each side and said, you entered our airspace unannounced. We want to make sure there isn't any problems. And we knew our navigator's having problems, right? So he's sweating bullets, and he's flying the charts. He's getting there. Lo and behold, it took longer than we thought, but we ended up at our destination. It's important to know where you're going. Not only is it important to know where you're going, it's important to know how to get there even if you go off course. Just as it's true in navigation, it's true when it comes to life. Relationship with God is the right direction for every single human being. God created us, God redeemed us, he uses us, he wants to spend all eternity with us, and God's direction for every human being is intimate, close relationship with him. That's what he wants. We've been in a series that we're wrapping up today called God's Glorious Church, and I've loved the fact that when there's a world that has lots of confusion about what church is, we can go to the Bible and say, God, what is your design of church? And we've been doing that these last few weeks. And, and uh, we have seen the principles that God wants in his church. And we kind of, they applied here as well. But a lot of what we talked about applied to the global church with the big C, like everybody who's a Christian in the world. Uh, that was uh, who God has in mind when he writes about the church in his book. But today I'm excited that the last message of the series we're going to kind of bring a little closer to home. We're going to kind of hone in on Crossview Church. And I'm going to let you in on something that uh, has been happening here amongst our elder board and our staff. Uh, we, uh, back in January 2020, which as I looked at it and looked at our notes, I thought I couldn't believe it was that long ago. Uh, or it was just that long. It seems a lot longer, right? If you think about January 2020, it doesn't seem like 10 years has happened in between that to now. Uh, but in January 2020, the elders uh, met together with our staff and an outside consultant from our denomination to refresh uh, and re, uh, 
look at our mission statement, our strategy, and our values as a church. We kind of looked through and said, God, what do you have for Crossview Church from your heart? And we prayerfully uh, engaged in a process that we truly believe was brought to us by the Holy Spirit, uh, and we are excited to unveil to you today uh, the new mission, strategy, and values of Crossview Church that are going to carry us going forward. And all of it is based in the fact that Jesus invites us to be in relationship with him. I believe everything in this sermon today is a compass for Crossview Church to know the direction of where we're headed. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to John chapter 15. If you're new to the Bible, uh, John is towards the right side. If you have a paper Bible, you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we'll be in 15. Uh, if you have an electronic version, uh, I'll be teaching from the Christian Standard Bible, and also you can use our app, and all the notes for the sermons are right there for you. In this text, Jesus is doing two things. First of all, he's reminding his disciples about something that's crucially important, and then he's telling them to remain in that which he's reminding them of. He's reminding them of a direction, and he's telling them to remain in that direction. So let's look at the first one together, his reminder. Look at John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In this text, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. His road to the cross is coming soon, and he wants to prepare them by saying to them, whatever happens, I want you to stay close to me. I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to remain in relationship with me. It may be different because I'm leaving, but I'm giving you all that you need through my word and the spirit to stay close. And he uses this image of a grapevine to show that. The branch engrafted in the vine. Can you see what kind of relationship Jesus wants with his followers based off that analogy alone? A vine engrafted, a branch engrafted into a vine. When you look at that practically, that speaks so much more than spirituality that's just, I have this busy, busy life and I add a worship service into my life and I call it good pales in comparison to what Jesus is saying here. You can't get more close than a branch engrafted into a vine. You can't get more intimate than the life of the vine being produced into the branch blooming for God. This is soul engrafted intimacy. That's what Jesus wants with his followers to sustain genuine spiritual life, living in this world, followers of Jesus must remain intimately connected to Jesus. And if you do not remain closely connected, it says, you will be a branch that will have no life. So the only way to have spiritual life is to stay connected 
to Jesus. Jesus wanted his disciples to never forget this, and he wants us as Crossview Church to never forget this as well. After uh, reminding them, then he gives the key word that is used throughout this passage multiple times that is key to understanding the Christian life as well, and that word is remain. Look at verses 4 to 7. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. You see that word remain several times in those three verses. It's key to understanding the relationship that God wants with his people. He wants us to abide, as some translations say, or to remain in Jesus, to be continually connected Because if we live separate from him, we don't gain spiritual life. It's possible to know who Jesus is and live disconnected from him, but you will not bear any fruit. However, a living branch that's connected to the vine through the power of the Holy Spirit has the life of Jesus flowing into them And that life of Jesus flowing into them then produces spiritual fruit. Things like love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. We call these the fruit of the Spirit. How do we live in those things? How do we live this transformed life where we reflect those spiritual things? We have to be engrafted into the vine. We have to get our life from the vine. The connection and the life that comes while you live in the vine is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in the life of the follower of Jesus. And you see throughout this passage this intimate connection that Jesus is inviting us into. So intimate, it changes our thoughts and our desires. Verse 7 shows that this connection to the vine is so strong for those who remain that they have a life that begins to flow in harmony with Jesus' desires and intentions so the fact they can ask anything and God will give it to them because their prayers are now controlled by his word and his ways. And then in verse 8 we see the main purpose for remaining It says, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. I love how that verse is written in the New Living Translation. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. You see, God is glorified in worship. When his people stay connected and they receive life from the vine and they're transformed and they bear fruit. That's the Christian life. According to this passage, here's what happens when we remain 
in Jesus, it results in, first of all, us finding the only way to abundant life. So many people want to live life to the full, and that's a good thing, but the only way you will live life to the full as God intended is if you remain in Jesus. If you stay connected to him, that is the only way to get abundant life. Second, it's the only way you'll get eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And the Bible tells us the moment we die, within seconds, we will appear before the throne of God. And the only thing that determines whether you live eternity with God in heaven or separated from him in hell is what you have done with Jesus Christ. Have you made him the Lord of your life? Are you living, abiding in him? The other thing it does is it voids spiritual death. You have life in the vine because you are connected to Jesus. And then you produce fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's what changes the world. You are transformed, and then you reflect that, and you carry that everywhere you go. And the end result of all that, Jesus says, is glory to God the Father. Connecting with Jesus, abiding with Jesus, remaining with Jesus, getting life from Jesus results in an act of worship before God. Just enjoying Jesus and allowing him into our lives is an act of worship. We'd be wise to pay attention to this invitation from Jesus to remain in him. And my heart's desire as a pastor is that we would all Accept that invitation to stay connected to Jesus. So how do you do that? How do you stay connected? That's the question that every healthy church has to answer. How do you stay connected to Jesus and how, as a church family, do we stay connected corporately? So what I want to do next is show you a vision for Crossview Church that will serve as a compass and a guide to us. And I want to start with our mission statement. We have a new mission statement now. When we started, we used the mission statement, love God, love others, and serve the world. And I know a lot of you like that mission statement. You should like that mission statement because it comes from Scripture. It's what we see. And it's written on our wall. Some of you may know that. Some of you don't. In first service, I talked about how we know it's on the wall, and you all like the wall. Don't worry about the wall. We'll find something else for the wall. It'll be okay. And someone came up to me and said, we have the mission statement on the wall. So there you go. We like that mission statement, but hear me out. In this day and age, especially in the time we live, we have to get more focused. And we have to get more clear. Because there's so much confusion out there of what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Christ. So our new mission statement is leading people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that's focus. That's what we want to do. We don't want to be a church where you just come in and add a worship service to your busy life and you call it good. We want to be a church that really helps people connect to Jesus so that when you are done with this life and you stand before God, you have been fully mature, able to Enter into the glorious banquet of heaven because you've been remaining. You've been connected. You've been abiding in Jesus. We want to be a church that fosters that. 
We want to create an environment where people grow in their relationship with Christ, not just Sunday mornings, but throughout the week, and it becomes who you are, this individual growing and bearing fruit. And we want to do that no matter where the person is at in their walk with God, whether they know God a little bit, whether they know God a lot, or whether they don't know him at all. We want people to take one step closer to Jesus. One step closer to Jesus wherever they go. To keep growing. To take that one more step. We want to be a church that's concerned about the lives and souls of people. We want to be a church that is unapologetically intentional about helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus. This is so critically important. So how do we stay in the vine? How do we do that? How do we lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus? We need to be a church that's doing all we can to invite and encourage and foster that. So how do we make that happen? And that's where our strategy comes in. The strategy is based off the verse we just looked at. In John 15, I simply call our strategy life in the vine. That's what we want to do because Jesus in this passage gives us this spectrum of life and how he wants us to move and abide in him. First, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. People are born apart from God. Many times we'll ask people, tell me how you became a Christian. I say, well, I grew up in a Christian home. But here's what you got to understand. No one is born a Christian. You have to make the decision to follow Jesus. You have to make that call. And we're all born apart from God. And there's people who are apart from God that are very nice people. But that's where they are spiritually. They're apart from God. And so the first thing we want to be about as we're leading people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ is to take people who are apart from God and move them so that they're in relationship with Jesus. That's what we see him doing. He longs to have people in relationship with him. And so we want to start with those that may not even know him. That's where our strategy must begin. And then we want to bring them into relationship with Jesus. And, and then we eventually want them to become fruit-bearing disciples. In John 15, you see all these three spots. We want to move people from being apart from God to bearing fruit as a disciple. However, in order to move from being apart from God into relationship with Jesus and to be a fruit-bearing disciple, you have to take some steps. There's some actions that have to happen, and so we want to focus on the first one. How do we move from apart from God into relationship with Jesus? The Bible says there's two things we have to do, repent and believe. The Bible says to move from being apart from God to into a relationship with Jesus, first you repent. Repent means to turn, to turn from the ways you live to turn to God. To say, God, I want to admit I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. I want to turn from my fallen ways and turn to follow you. Then the Bible says you have to believe. And that's not just an intellectual belief, like I believe Jesus is real. It's a believing with your whole heart where you transfer ownership because of your belief from you sitting on the throne of your heart and deciding what you do with your life to Jesus taking up his throne in your heart. 
to Jesus being the one who now directs and guides and leads, that you are now following him and he is your Lord and Savior. See, that has to happen. That's a decision that has to take place if someone's going to move from being apart from God into relationship with Jesus. And we want to be a church that's very clear about that, that helps people to do that. But it doesn't stop there. See, so many times in our minds, sometimes we think, well, it's done. That's where it stops. But throughout the Bible, we're encouraged to continue to abide, to remain. We see it in Jesus' words, but we see it all over in other places as well. Colossians 2.6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. We continue to remain. The true Christian disciple that bears fruit is alive, and it's someone who's continuing and remaining in Christ. So how do we do that? What's the next step? We've kind of packaged this to say the next step is what we call the spiritual growth plan. A spiritual growth plan is simply an intentional plan to keep you connected to Jesus so that you become a fruit-bearing disciple. See, when you give your life to Jesus, it's not like an autopilot and it's automatic and you coast. When you give your life to Jesus, you enter this process with the Holy Spirit called sanctification where you cooperate with the Holy Spirit to become all God wants you to be. And we want to help you do that. And you know what? Sometimes when you connect with God and you connect with Jesus through his word and through prayer, through being in community, it's absolutely exhilarating. There's sometimes you sense God's presence in such a powerful way and you say, wow, this is amazing. And then there's some times where you, you connect through reading the Bible and prayer and going to life group and it just feels like you're existing. It just feels like you're treading water. A great spiritual author said the Christian life sometimes is so daily where it's just plodding along and it may not be glamorous and glorious, but it's so worth doing because when you get to heaven, you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And why does it work like that? Well, there's moments where God, out of his goodness as a father, says, I'm going to give you tons of grace and you're going to see and even experience and possibly even feel how much I love you and my presence for you. And then there's times where he says as a good father, you know what, I just need you to grow up a little bit here. I need you to keep plowing. I need you to persevere. And that's how he does it. But an intentional growth plan to help you stay connected is what will lead you from continuing your relationship with Christ to becoming a fruit-bearing disciple. And this plan involves several things. First of all, it involves Bible reading and applying that to your life and living it out. Studies on discipleship over and over and over show the number one factor in personal spiritual growth is engagement with the Bible. It's the number one thing. Engaging with the Bible personally with God one-on-one -on -one, and in a group. It's the number one factor, the game changer, according to the studies that help create spiritual growth. Number two is prayer. We want you to think about what's your prayer life going to look like? How are you going to pray? What are you going to be praying for? We've talked a lot about the YouVersion prayer uh, tool that helps in the YouVersion Bible app. There's a prayer tool that helps. If you've never prayed and had a consistent time of prayer before with God, it's something to check out. Your, Bible, your uh, spiritual growth plan should include fellowship. That's why we constantly push life groups here 
at Crossview Church. We want everybody to connect. You can grow spiritually one-on-one with God, without a doubt. But you will never grow to the extent God wants you to grow unless you grow in community with people, with his church. That's so clear in the Bible. And so we want you to be part of community, part with uh, taking this journey of growth with other people. And that's why life groups are so critically important. After the first of the year, we're going to launch another thing called D-groups or discipleship groups. Life groups are co-ed, 8 to 12, uh, responding from the sermon, sermon sermon-based. A D-group is a a lot smaller group that's based off a gender, men with men, women with women, and three to four people that have a curriculum that takes you even deeper as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe part of your spiritual growth plan is I'm going to do a D-group this time. We want you to make those decisions as you grow in your faith. Serving. Serving leads to wholeness. Where are you serving? Where is your output? You know, I've heard people say, I'm just going through a really, really difficult time, and so I need to stop my serving everywhere and and just stop everything and just rest and be. And I'm not saying there's never a time for that, because sometimes there is, but I would say it's rare. Because serving leads to wholeness. And even in your broken burnt-out state, you have something to give that the body of Christ needs. And when you do, God in his grace empowers you and helps you. That's why it's important to be serving somewhere. And finally, a gospel influence. We want you to influence your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to carry out Because you're connected to the vine, we want the fruit to be distributed to all the places God has called you. We want you to focus doing this first on your home, first in your family, those closest to you, and then carrying it out to your work life and your community life and your neighborhood. And then how do we do it in global missions going out to the world? But we want to have a gospel influence We want to keep church simple so that you can do this. The tendency in churches is to have all these events and all these activities and all these things have and let's have that class and this class and that class and life group and all these things going on. But what happens if we do that, you're going to be involved in all these things at church, working really hard, and then when it comes to your family or when it comes to your workplace, you're just going to feel so exhausted because you've done all these things. And it'll feel like more and more there's this disconnect between your church life and your other life. And we want that to be integrated. We want you to be in your family carrying out the amazing fruit of what God is doing in your life as you're loving those close to you, serving those close to you, being gentle, kind, patient, having peace and self-control with those in your immediate circle. And then doing that to your world. We want you to be on the soccer field with your family, but not just enjoying your kids play soccer. We want you to be there being a gospel light. And that won't happen if we do a ton and ton of activities. And you think that that's all spiritual growth is. But if we simplify some things and stay connected to Christ, then you can bear fruit everywhere God takes you in this community. And that's what we want you to do. So we have this spiritual growth plan card that you can take with you as you leave today. This is going to be something that we revisit three strategic times a year. 
We're going to look at this in the fall when school season launches off again because that's a time that people are getting re-engaged and looking at things. We're going to look at this every January when people are planning their year and what it'll look like and developing New Year's resolutions. And then we're going to look at it right before summer every year to say, hey, how do you stay connected this summer? We want to be intentional about it. And so there's questions on this card. What are you going to do with your Bible reading? What is your prayer life going to look like? Where are you going to serve? And how are you going to connect with other Christians? And how are you going to be an influence? And we want you to take this and spend time with it and think through and develop a plan for you. What is going to be your intentional plan to grow to become a fruit-bearing disciple? And we're going to ask you to revisit that through at least three times a year. Some of you will set it, and you'll be able to take that plan and carry it out for a whole year. I've learned that sometimes spiritual growth plans need to be revisited and retweaked over time. And so we're going to give you time to refresh that. But we want it to be intentional. And we're hoping to develop this tool as we go down this journey, to have videos about how to do it, how to put it together. And so there's things that we're going to do to help with this. But the biggest thing is we want to be intentional. Finally, I want to close by looking at our values. How do we go about this? Mission is what we do. Strategy is how we do it. And the values kind of say, how do we, what are our heart expressions as we do this? And I don't have to spend a ton of time on this because if you were here last week, I did a whole sermon looking at the healthy marks of a church from Acts 2.42. And you're going to find that the values, and if you look closely, the action steps in your spiritual growth plan mirror everything that we looked at last week. So the values across your church are first seeking God in prayer. We want to be a praying church. I was encouraged once again this morning when I walked in the door and I looked in our prayer room and I saw feet in there praying for the services today and praying for people in our church. I want this to be something that's so reflective of us that we are a praying church. Second, that we know God through the Bible. The Bible is going to be in every single ministry, every part of what we do, because we need to stay connected to get wisdom. And God gave us his word as a gift for us to know him. We want to be encountering God together in worship. That when we come in here, we sense his presence, and we worship him because of who he is and what he's done, and we give him glory. But not just in here, but when we leave here and we go out into the world, we glorify him as well. We want to grow in Christ together. And the ways we do that here at Crossview is through worship together, life groups and D groups, these things that we're launching. We want to grow together in Christ. It's a value that we will have. And finally, we want to be influencing our homes, our community, and our world. We want to be where we live, reflections of the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And we want to help grow us together as a church to do that. And all of this will be done. I mean, if you see this, this is what we talked about last week. You see prayer, Bible, worship, fellowship, gospel influence. It's all right there. And we want this all to glorify God by staying connected and enjoying Jesus. You see, I want Crossview Church to be a place where we see lives transformed for God's glory. No matter how people are or where they're at in life when they come in, that when they come in here, they can be led into a relationship with Jesus that transforms their life and brings glory to God. See, the church is a place where God interacts with his people. And we see him interacting. 
Over the last four or five weeks since we started this series, I've beyond, I'll be honest with you, I've really upped my prayer time. And I've really sensed that for me, all I, I'm become so content with, I just want to help nudge a bunch of people closer to Jesus. That's all I want to do. I just want to be a spiritual nudge. If you sense me nudging you, that's because that's just what I feel like I want to do. I just want to nudge people closer to Jesus. Keep it that simple. But my heart has been open, and I've seen God move in our midst in such a great way. In the last three or four weeks, we've seen two people come and make that step from being apart from God to being put into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They came and they gave their lives to Jesus. It's been an amazing thing. I've heard of a family that was broken and and there's lots of grudges and anger and there's been reconciliation and forgiveness because of the power of God. It's an amazing thing. We introduced the Here Journal a while back and that great tool of how to stay connected with God and four of you have come up and said, before you had that, you had no idea what this thing called a quiet time was like, but now you've been meeting with God regularly and it's making a difference in your life. That's an amazing thing. I had a conversation via text with somebody at 10 o'clock last night who was working and they said, I'm reading the Bible and it's just coming to life to me. For the first time, I'm really starting to understand it. That's God moving in the hearts of people. We have life groups that have taken off this fall and are nurturing people. And I'm hearing story after story about people saying how we're hearing what's going on in the sermon and applying it to real life and it's making a huge difference. God is moving in this place. And it's something to be excited about. Because if you're around for a while, it can feel like church just exists. And we have to be paying attention to when the Spirit is moving and the work that God is doing in the midst of us. I heard another story that I want to share with you. It's a story about a dear couple named Glenn and Sarah who were at a tough, difficult place. And they came and they found Crossview Church. And they told me what happened in their life and I wanted them to tell you. And so I'm going to invite Glenn to come up at this time. Sarah injured her leg, unfortunately, and can't be with us. But Glenn's going to share something he shared with me that encourages me, and I hope it encourages you. So thanks, Glenn. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as of uh, early June, uh, my wife Sarah and I, who she really wanted to be here today, so um, she'll be around here in, in the weeks to follow. But uh, uh, we were on a church search. Uh, we were attending a church in Watoma. Um, I was a part-time pastor down there, and we've been down there for a number of years, and uh, it, was, it was a challenge, to say the least. It was quite difficult, to be honest with you, and, and uh, working full-time as I do, and uh, trying to pastor a church 45 minutes away part-time, it it, we just sort of started to get burned out. So I stepped down in early June, and we began to pray as to uh, where the Lord would have us attend church. Uh, we uh, attended a church for a couple of Sundays in the area here. It didn't seem like a good fit. Uh, we were planning on attending another church in the area then in July, and uh, that fell through for a number of reasons. Uh, Sarah had, had visited Crossview in the past, my wife, and... and um, so we had talked a little bit about it. Um, I have to admit that I had some, uh, some uh, misconceptions about this church, not having ever been here before. And uh, so I said, well, yeah, do you want to go visit Crossview? 
And she, she said, sure. So we, we came to Crossview one Sunday in late July. And uh, we walked in. And, and to be honest with you, I say this, uh, I'm kind of ashamed to say it, but I didn't think I'd like it. Uh, I have more of a traditional church background. And, and Sarah really didn't think I would like it either. And uh, so we walked in and we were made to feel welcome. Uh, not overwhelmed, but made to feel welcome. Uh, People seem generally joyful, genuinely joyful to be here. Uh, there is a real joy and a, and a real excitement about being uh, here in this place to worship. And so we walked into the worship service, and like I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to a more traditional worship. And uh, so we started to worship, and the one thing that I noticed right away is that the worship team that stands up here every Sunday and leads us in worship is leading us to worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, they're not entertaining, uh, they're not putting on a show, they are leading this church in worship. And so uh, we believe that we were really worshiping in spirit and in truth on that particular uh, Sunday and have felt that way ever since. So then uh, uh, Dan got up to preach and uh, he was preaching from Mark chapter 13 on the second coming and uh, uh, he started to preach, and I have to admit, my spiritual antennas were up, you know, what am I going to hear that I don't agree with, you know, uh, am I going to like this? And uh, he began to preach, and it was obvious he was very well prepared, um, had studied, obviously. Uh, he, uh, he began to preach and make his way through Mark chapter 13. And I, you know, for whatever it's worth, I'm, I'm sitting there going, this is really good. Um, it's providing real good depth, but he's preaching in a way that people understand. Uh, not only is he preaching the truth, though, he's preaching in love and, uh, and in humility. And it's such a wonderful uh, combination. And, and we've noticed this with Chris and others who have preached uh, a commitment to truth in this church, to biblical truth, a commitment to sound doctrine. Uh, but there's a real sense of spiritual life here as well. And, you know, we've been in churches that are committed to the Bible, but there's kind of a sense of, you know, we're kind of stuck in the mud, so to speak. And, and uh, it's not, that's not true here. And so every single Sunday since that we have come back to Crossview, uh, we have been tremendously blessed. It's obvious that the leadership here is committed to equipping disciples, equipping all of us, to go out then and do the work of ministry. And it's, and it's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we got involved in a life group and Josh and Sarah are doing a wonderful job hosting that life group. And so we are tremendously blessed to be here. And I, I just want to encourage you, Sarah and I both want to encourage you that the Lord is really working here. The Spirit is really moving. And, but the Spirit is moving within the parameters of biblical truth, which is the only way he will really move. And, and so, uh, again, I just want to encourage all of you that this is a really unique place, in our opinion. Uh, this is a place uh, that was a, a hidden gem that I didn't know about, even though I lived in Wisconsin Rapids. So, uh, again, we're really thankful. It's been nice to get to know some of you here over the past couple of months. We look forward to getting to know you further. And uh, we uh, thank God for you, and we really 
thank God for leading us to this church. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, Glenn. Now let me clarify something. I didn't have Glenn come up and share that because I want to toot Crossview's horn. That's not why he came up and shared that. The reason I wanted him to share that is to show you that when a church commits itself to carrying out church the way God intended it to be, even with their imperfections, even with their immaturities, even with their brokenness, even when they screw it up royally, God is faithful to be grabbing people's hearts by his spirit. And what you see in Glenn and Sarah's story is God met them where they're at and brought to them a life and a wholeness, not because Crossview Church is so great, but because he is so great. And as we commit ourselves to carrying out church the way he intended and our lives the way he intended, he is going to be faithful to bring people close to him Move them from being apart from him into relationship to him and then into bearing much fruit. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to my Father. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church where we're hearing gospel stories of transformation where we're hearing gospel stories, whether it's someone who's apart from God and coming in to know Jesus for the first time, or gospel stories when it's about somebody who knows who Jesus is and they're growing and all of a sudden they become transformed in a deeper level, closer to Christ. True health in a church is measured by gospel stories. And may God so come into this place called Crossview Church and unite us so close to him that gospel stories are happening all over the place. Let's pray that God does that. Jesus, I thank you for your invitation to remain in you. God, I pray that we would be a gospel-centered people who would long to receive that invitation with joy and allow it to sink deep within. And God, I just ask for the times as a church where we've blown it, will you forgive us? We can't do this without your help. We can't be the church you've called us to be without your help, and that's why we want to let our whole strategy, our whole mission to be anchored in you as close to you as we could possibly get and God I pray that you would do such a work that for those in our community that don't know you they may see and inquire and eventually taste and see how good you are and so God we ask that you'd have your way among us and you'd help us to carry out that which you've called us to do And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.